that football book is doing. Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful when I'm slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? I like football. I like football season and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live on YouTube, and today, Sam, a great episode that nobody's going to have any issues with because we're ranking all 32 NFL rosters, and uh, it's great because uh, we can also blame the people that wrote it yeah. at PFF.com. I like those. Yeah. Yeah. So we could just discuss. Uh-huh. It's not all. It's not just us. We already have people in the chat asking why you hate Desmond Ritter. Why do I hate Desmond Ritter? I don't hate Desmond Ritter. I just have seen very little evidence to suggest that he's good right now. Yeah, we're four games into his NFL career. What should we expect? Mm. What do you uh, make of the big Lionel Messi news? Why would he come here? Uh, Because it turns out they're giving him a slice of basically all revenue that the MLS makes. Uh, Here, what's the... Is that possible? Yeah. No. So here it is. So what's Uh, the equivalent? This is like Tom Brady owns a part of the NFL. Pretty much. Joe. Well, so it would be like Tom Brady getting a slice of the TV deal for the NFL. That's basically what we're talking about here. Joe Pompliano had this. uh, How did the MLS and Inter-Miami land Lionel Messi? He's set to receive a massive compensation package that includes a share of Apple's revenue generated by MLS Season Pass and also a share of Adidas, Adidas, Profits from ML, from Did his you just MLS. Say Adidas. Yeah, from his MLS arrival. Adidas. Yeah, Adidas. Whatever. Uh, so he's basically earning a slice of like insane volumes of revenue that the thing is making. And I haven't seen this confirmed anywhere, but it wouldn't shock me if he had it in his deal, like David Beckham had, where he gets like a franchise team down the line for a fraction of what it's worth. So he has whatever he wants. Yeah, and by the way, friend of the show. Mike Ryan Ruiz from the, the Dan Lebertard show had this like months ago that this was out and was ridiculed. Like everyone was like, shut up. Your sources are garbage. He's going to play in Saudi Arabia. You know, he's going back to Barcelona. You're an idiot. This is like Christmas for him. It's like a parade day. Wow, for Mike what Ryan a big Ruiz. day. Good job, man. Um, but I'll tell you what my first thought was when I saw it was Inter Miami, who I had never heard of. Um, I thought it was some like Italian team or something like oh, Inter Miami or something. You know, can I, I just was... say shut the hell up because we have a German in the chat box who says Sam's pronunciation of Adidas was spot on. German company. That's how we say it. Not in America, we don't. Well, it's German company. <sighs> Whatever. All right. So, what are we doing here? Roster rankings. Into some roster rankings. First, I got to read some stuff. I think. Cool. I don't even know where it is. Where's my read? Hmm. Talk about other stuff. What else is going on? I mean, I already covered Lionel Messi. How about the Bills keep making moves? They do. Cameron Dantzler coming uh-huh. in now, too. Are the Bills the only team playing right now? The only team playing in the uh, post-draft free agent market? The only team making moves. You going to add any, any more color to that? Oh, I don't know. Not if you found your read. I didn't find it yet. You haven't found it yet. Okay. So I still got to add color. The, uh, I, every time you know, random mass player gets signed... People start resurfacing things that you wrote like three years ago. <laughs> Here's what BFF Dantzler? Sam said about Cameron Dantzler back in like 2021 or something. You probably said that he was a twig. No, he's I just really said, skinny. you know, he was maybe the best corner on the terrible Vikings team. And oh. always in Mike Zimmer's doghouse. So they're excited. 
It's going to challenge yeah. op, you know, the based starting off, spot opposite Tredavious White. Right, based off that thing I said a while ago. No, it's good. It's good bringing in competition. It's also good, you know, if you're a parent, your top priority is always your children's well-being. You want to give them everything they need to grow and thrive, both now and in the future. And with term life insurance from Fabric by Gerber Life, help protect your family so their future is secure no matter what happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy quickly, often in less than 10 minutes. Life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated, but Fabric makes it easy to apply with its seamless digital experience. It's all online and on your time. And if you need the extra support, you can access a team of licensed agents who can answer your questions along the way. Take steps to help protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Take the 60-second quiz to find out if term life insurance is right for you and apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. That's meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash PFF NFL policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company and distributed by Gerber Life Agency LLC using fabric technologies not available in certain states. Price is subject to underwriting and health questions. For more information, visit us, visit us at meetfabric.com slash PFF NFL. All right, man, let's get into this. Uh, the article has been written over at PFF.com or on the PFF app, wherever mm-hmm. you read your PFF. <coughs> where you uh, read. Dalton Wasserman and Jim Wyman did the writing um, I actually don't know where you you know where, what their uh, Twitter handles are, but you can go attack them mm. if needed. We're just merely reciting the list here. No, it's it's a PFF list. Other people you know contributed and all that stuff, but it's over at PFF.com, and it's a really in-depth article. It's really great because you get each team, you get their biggest strength, their biggest weakness, their X factor, a rookie to watch, the over under on their win total, a little projected starting lineup. So it's a great read, and uh, go check out where your team ranked. So uh, let's get into this. We usually have, I don't know if this is a widget or something. That's, there's usually something built into the site that's like, this is a five-minute read or whatever. It's just tapped out on this article. There's, yeah. It's, it's going to take you a while. But for most people, you're just going to log in. You're going to say, hey, I'm a Raiders fan. Oh, the Raiders are way too low. Let mm-hmm. me read about them, and then I'm leaving. And there's so hyperlinks. You can jump straight to your team. You can jump straight to your team. You can do it. So do you want to start from the top? Who has the best roster in the NFL? Uh, yeah, well, let's do that. Let's, let's discuss if we agree with the uh, – like, how would you do this? What would your rankings be? Um, I haven't put specific rankings together, but I think the no, number no, one starting team, with you know the first who is the best number one team. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are in the article, and I think that's a, a fair starting point that the Eagles have the best roster. Um, I don't know how much Dalton and Jim weighed the quarterback. Hmm. That is something when we do roster rankings, it's difficult to say. You know how much? You know, like what is the Chiefs' roster with and without Patrick Mahomes? Right? right. Like, there's. They might be 15th as a roster, but third or fourth with Patrick Mahomes. So quarterback was factored in here. But I think when you're talking about all-around roster strength, the Eagles being number one does make a lot of sense. It does. Um, I think, though, that I don't know that they're as strong as they were a year ago on paper uh, because of some of the losses that they've had this offseason. Now, they did a good job of reloading and uh, not just reloading, but retaining some of those players. And obviously, some of the losses were anticipated to the point where there's a ready-made replacement, you know, ready. Nicobe Dean, for example, ready to step in, take that responsibility, and potentially could be an upgrade, could be as good, whatever. So they're, they're kind of ready for a, a couple of spots to, to step in and, and take the mantle. Cam Jurgens as well at right guard. But anytime you're expecting that to happen, the unknown is a risk, right? Like there's a chance that N'Kobe Dean is not, and it's a significant downgrade over a good NFL player in TJ Edwards um, or uh, Kazir White, Kaiser White. Um, same with Cam Jurgens, Like he could be a significant downgrade over Isaac Sayomalu. Uh, safety as well. They lost, you know, players in the back end. So 
it's still a good-looking roster, but I think because of the number of new faces, I think you have to be a little bit concerned. Not concerned, but like there's the potential that that could be a lot worse than it was a year ago. So I'll be honest here. I think you could say that about some of the top teams here. Yeah. So the top, you know, the, the top teams on this list, Eagles at number one, they have the San Francisco 49ers at number two, and the Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati Bengals at number three. All of those teams have lost starters mm-hmm. and have question marks. The Bengals, we've talked about their safety situation, losing Jesse Bates and Von Bell, even though they do have expected replacements, but there's a question mark there. The Niners losing Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, uh, losing Emmanuel Mosley at corner. I know they didn't have him for most of last season, but they've, they've lost some players on you know, a lot of these top teams. The 49ers are the one, I think, that's out of position. A little too high. I think that's rich um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, as you said, they've lost some players. Number two... There's a couple of areas of, I think, at least one area of obvious weakness and another area of potential concern. And quarterback is a total unknown at this point um, in a way that it isn't for the other teams up there. Like the other teams in this in this area have Jalen Hurts, um, number three, Cincinnati with uh, Joe Burrow. Four is Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. Like they're 100% set and guaranteed and, and safe. At quarterback, the 49ers have Brock Purdy, and even if we weren't talking about a guy whose elbow was in scaffolding the last time anybody saw him, like we don't know if he's good yet. Scaffolding in the elbow. Yeah, so that, that's what's interesting about roster rankings, right? Like When you look at the Niners, if you said, take this group of players and let someone else coach them, you would say, yeah, the, the quarterback's a question mark, right? Even when Jimmy Garoppolo was there. You would say the quarterback's a question mark, but because you know Kyle Shanahan's calling plays and you know that Shanahan has had that history of success, I think it mitigates, hey, you know, we just expect whether it's Brock Purdy or Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo, it doesn't really matter. They'll find a way. That's not to diminish who the Niners actually have on their roster. Christian McCaffrey, uh, running back or not, was a difference maker for them last year. When he went over there, they were better. And you've got a full season of Christian McCaffrey and uh, presumably a healthy Debo Samuel, who recently just said everything about last season was terrible, uh, even though he wasn't terrible. He was just, you know, banged up. But Debo and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, it, it still is great on paper in the defensive side of the ball, having one of the best edge rushers in Nick Bosa and one of the best linebackers in Fred Warner and you know, one of the better corners in Traverius Ward and uh, Hufanga at safety. It is a very good roster still, but I do mm-hmm. think, like other teams, more question marks maybe this year than what we saw at the end of last season where uh, they were one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't want to overdo it and say, like, this is just a rank average team or anything like that. They are a good roster, and they deserve to be, you know, in the top 10. I just think this high is a little bit rich. Purdy is a question mark whether or not he's healthy. I mean, we, we're dealing with, what, six games worth of, like, really impressive play from him? He, like. Remember, Darnold finished his rookie season with, what, four games where he looked amazing. And it's immediately that reversed, and he went back to being garbage. Now, we never saw garbage from Brock Purdy, so maybe he is that good. But my point being, a six game, like that sample size of play for him is extremely low, even if injury was not anything to be concerned about. So at the very minimum, you have to look at their quarterback situation, um, San Francisco's, and say – we're not talking about the same thing here. Like, he's not in the same realm as the other guys. The other thing that that I think is jumps out at me pretty consistently looking at this 
49ers roster and 49ers team is that offensive line isn't good. Now, it may look better than it is because it's in this Kyle Shanahan offense and stuff, but, like, look at the personnel top to bottom. Obviously, Trent Williams is still arguably the best offensive lineman in the NFL. Like, he's amazing. But outside of that, the other four spots are not plus players. Now, they may be okay, they may be fine, but there's absolutely, you know, we talk all the time about ranges of outcome, you know, the bell curve of what's likely to happen in any given season. The bell curve of the production or the performance from the four other members of that offensive line is probably average at best, and there, which means there's a ton, like a big chunk of those outcomes are below average and into the problematic realm. The, the Niners O-line discussion is is an interesting one because I sometimes the sometimes the scheme offsets that, right? Because they, they weren't great last year by our grading, even from a run-blocking standpoint. But because the Niners use so much misdirection um, and because they're, they're just putting, putting defenses in a bind, they're still going to produce. So it's one of those teams I don't know if the weakness matters as much. Kind of like with the Bills offensive line, even though we kept identifying it, look, the Bills offensive line is probably the weak link on that offense, right? The weak link on that team last season – it didn't really affect them a ton at times, at stretches. It I might think, li- what? I think it was it was a problem last year. Yeah, I mean it was. Now just... they overcame it in part because Josh Allen was the best quarterback in the NFL under pressure last year. But the offensive line last year, I think, hurt Buffalo. Buffalo might not be the best example there. I just look. Would you rather have them be better in San Francisco? Yes. There are some question marks. There are some young guys that haven't necessarily produced yet by our grading and. Um, and I don't know if the depth is there. So it, I think it's fair to identify, but I think uh, Kyle Shanahan and company have shown that they can overcome. They, oh, they absolutely can. But I think Buffalo is a good example of what I'm talking about, which is they, they deliberately kind of kept that offensive line at an average type of level across the board because generally speaking, that's all you need. And we've preached that for years. And yeah. it's, it's, the, the, it's the approach we've been talking about. But the risk, the danger of that approach is that if more than one of those guys – hits the low end of their potential range of outcomes at the same time, all of a sudden you end up with this offensive line that actually dips quite a far way below average, and that is where it gets problematic. So this 49ers offensive line, um, you know, Trent Williams, you shouldn't understate how much of an impact he has on his own at left tackle. But the other four guys, I would say at best, that outcome or the, the, the mean distribution of their outcomes is average which means there's a pretty healthy chance that four out of the five dip below and end up being a below-average or problematic offensive line. And that'll be interesting if Purdy's back there. Purdy did show a little bit better, I think, than Garoppolo under pressure, but is that something that is sustainable right. as uh, Purdy heads into year two, presuming healthier? Uh, Bengals at number three and Chiefs at number four and Bills at number five. Let's just talk about all those, those three teams, right? Mm-hmm. The three teams that are considered powerhouses in the AFC, the three best quarterbacks in the AFC – uh, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Do you agree? Bengals three, Chiefs four, and Bills five. Um, I think they would definitely be teams that I would have up there. Uh, they're absolutely in the conversation. I think there's a couple of others that I would think about adding into that group. Um, but Cincinnati's team, it's a lot like Philadelphia's in terms of it's extremely complete. There's very few obvious holes. They like Philadelphia, have sort of future-proofed or, you know, have prepared 
the transition at a couple of positions. Daxton Hill coming in after essentially redshirting as a rookie. They've prepared for, for things like that. Um, incredibly good skill position players. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, Joe Mixon in the backfield. They've added depth. Irv Smith, a uh, tight end. Obviously, Joe Burrow. They have strength all across the defense. There's a couple of like weak potential weak links in terms of individual starters, but that's similar to Philadelphia. That's similar to you know the other teams that we're talking about. So I think they're absolutely in that group. Buffalo, <coughs> they're doing a good job of trying to get back to where they were last year. Of like in particular, you know the recent moves, the the additions that they've been making. Like Leonard Floyd should be a boost to that team. Um, Cameron Dantzler. Maybe he's shown in the last couple of years you don't really want him starting, but if he ends up being your number four corner, that's that's pretty good depth to have. So I think Buffalo is doing a good job of of repairing that roster and getting back to where we expect them. And then Kansas City, they've made improvements on that roster, and obviously so much of it is dependent on Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, listen, I think I think these are the right teams in this in this area. I, I might put the Chiefs at three. It is fascinating how swayed you can get though. Like the difference between the Chiefs and the Bengals last year, was it that drastic? Was it was it that drastic? I know the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, right? Right. Um, and I think we all agree. Okay, um, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. I thought we 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 agreed before before that game mm-hmm. that it was. Even though there was the the media stuff, which is like if Joe Burrow and the Bengals win, he's the best quarterback, and not Mahomes. But it's like all right, it's one game. But the Chiefs winning does tend to like sway what you believe going in like oh they're the champs everything was you know they're, they're clearly the best team when it was like a joseph asai penalty that put them into field goal range i mean it was a fine line between the chiefs and the bengals but i would probably put the chiefs just above the bengals in part because i think cincinnati has more question marks right they lose they lose more starters despite bringing in let's say an orlando brown and shoring up the offensive line and then the chiefs love what they did last year in the draft I think guys like Sky Moore will be ready to break out. I think uh, they, they last year's rookie class, which did contribute, look, this was what they were building for, was to, to be better this year. And I think the Chiefs will be a little bit better, bringing in guys like Charles Amenehue. I think they've shored up the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Interested to see what the Chiefs' offensive line looks like. Donovan Smith did not look great last year, but his baseline is pretty average to solid, which is good for you know your starting left tackle. Jawan Taylor better pass blocker than run blocker. I like the Chiefs a little bit better than the Bengals or the Bills. I'm just, am I getting too swayed by the fact that they won it? The fact that they just happened to win it and by a small margin over the Bengals. And had they played the Bills, I mean, the Bills beat them last year, right? It is a a small margin between all of these teams. Yeah, no, I think that they've made significant improvements. Like going, Charles Amenehu from Frank Clark should be a significant upgrade for that team. Um, They've also added other spots and there's Trent McDuffie didn't play all season last year but looked pretty good when he did play and if he takes a significant step forward that's huge for them in the secondary their offensive line I think is the best of that group of the the Buffalo Cincinnati Kansas City like they have the best offensive line they should yeah they're they're a little bit concerning just in terms of what happens if Travis Kelsey goes down like that I don't we've seen last year with Cincinnati what if Jamar Chase goes down well it turns out T Higgins steps up as a number one everything's good um, you could have the same argument with Buffalo. What happens if Stephon Diggs goes down? But I think generally there's a bit more depth there. The question of what happens if Patrick Mahomes has to work without Travis Kelsey, I think is a fair one. But it's also, it, I mean, that's not the case right now, right? It's it's inventing a 
negative scenario that isn't necessarily there. But I think Kansas City has a better roster now than they've had for actually most of the time that Patrick Mahomes has been there. And then the bill, like, are, the, are we actually sleeping on the Bills at five for the same reasons that I said? Because the most recent thing we saw, yeah, they lost in the divisional round pretty handily to the to the Bengals. But, you know, like one game here and there, were the Bills actually that much worse last year than they were the previous year? Um, I don't know. I don't know if they are. Uh, but it's all fair. I think those teams being in the, being in the same range, uh, apparently what we have on the screen is a little different We have uh, than the article. But the uh, – I like the Chiefs at two instead of in the 49ers <laughs> at three. Just, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills, though, I think by all accounts, they are the teams to beat in the AFC. Now we get into, on the website, pff.com, mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys at six, New York Jets at seven. Is that Are we overreacting to Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, and are the Cowboys legitimately that good? I think Dallas deserves to be in the conversation with the above group. I think Dallas is in that kind of group. Now, they're a, a little... clear top six, clear top six roster well, in the hang NFL. On. So let me Dallas. I want to I want to talk about two teams that I think are that belong in the conversation with elite rosters. Dallas is one of them. Um, now, one of the differences between Dallas and the likes of Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City is Dak Prescott is not Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. So depending on what you do with that in terms of value, that could be the difference on its own. But you look at that roster, certainly that starting group, it's really, really good. I mean, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup was fine, then they add Brandon Cooks to it. That's pretty fantastic as a trio. That's right up there with Cincinnati's trio of, of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, um, Tyler Boyd. Their offensive line, I think, is good, not as great as it's been in, in previous years, and gets a lot worse if Tyron Smith goes down or if Terrence Steele doesn't come back 100% healthy. So maybe not the strength necessarily that it looks on paper, but – Michael Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Darrance Armstrong. Um, they've added interior help that hopefully will take a step forward. The other offseason move in terms of veterans that they make was Stephon Gilmore coming in, who doesn't have to be a number one now because you've already got Trayvon Diggs. Deron Bland had a lot of plays as a rookie. Like, that's a really good starting group. Yeah, so last year at this time, we were saying, we were talking about the Cowboys similar to what we just, the conversation we had about the Niners. Where when you when you went through the offseason, and I know the Niners added Javon Hargrave, you know, one of the biggest yep. name free agents, and he's an awesome pass rusher and all that stuff. But last year at this time, the Cowboys had lost what two starters on the offensive line. They lost a couple receivers, and uh, Amari Cooper had been traded, and the cornerback two was a big question mark that was never filled, basically. So it, it didn't feel as good for Dallas. Now they were still a really good team. But in the end, you know, they were just a tick below, I think, where they were maybe in, in 2021. Now it feels a little bit better because yeah. – and, and what I like is the buy low on veterans. I, I, you know, I probably have a pretty extensive history on loving those moves. <laughs> buy low on veterans, even though there's always a chance Brandon Cooks loses a step and Stephon Gilmore loses a step. And it's always tough to predict when those 8- to 10-year veterans are going to decline, right? Mm-hmm. But – I love those moves because those – I mean, the, the the same questions that we had last year at this time, who's the other wide receiver opposite C.D. Lamb with Michael – because Michael Gallup was coming back off injury. Right. Who's the other receiver opposite C.D. Lamb? Who's the other corner opposite Trayvon Diggs? Two of the most important positions solved by players who were still good. As yeah. of last year, they're still good. I don't know. Maybe Stephon Gilmore loses a step this year, 
But if they get the same Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks that, they, that have been playing the last couple of years, that's, those are amazing additions for the Cowboys at, they, val- at important positions. And they don't need to be long-term moves for it to be good. No, we're know, talking like, this year. Right. Yeah. So even if like Stephon Gilmore is almost certainly on the decline to some degree, but he doesn't need to be vintage Stephon Gilmore, or he doesn't need to have more than a year left in the tank for it to be a really useful move for Dallas. Same with Brandon Cooks. Like He might not be on the decline, but... Brandon Cooks doesn't need to have five years left for him to be a great move. For them. They, they need him now. They need him to be the, a secondary threat opposite C.D. Lamb in a way Michael Gallup coming off an ACL wasn't, right? And by the way, Gallup is now a year removed from that ACL, so probably is closer to the original Michael Gallup than the version we saw last year. So that group should look really, really good. Um, I they, think- they should be more inclined to get Dak back to that low right. 80s, low to mid 80s graded quarterback that he that he is when he has those three to four weapons. So I think Dallas deserves to be in this conversation. And then I want to dive all the way down to number 10 on this article. I think the Miami Dolphins deserve to be in this conversation. Look at that roster. Okay, offensive line is the big concern. But is that offensive line measurably any worse than San Francisco's? In the same offense, by the way. Let's remember, like Miami is now working with this system that theoretically is going to improve the baseline of offensive line play. Sure, they don't have a Trent Williams, but Teron Armstead, Connor Williams, and Robert Hunt, I think is a much more solid trio than any three players that San Francisco can deploy on the offensive line. And then you have the two weaknesses of Liam Eikenberg at left guard, Austin Jackson at right tackle. We'll see if Isaiah Wynn takes either one of those spots and upgrades it. But that's their weakness, right, is the offensive line. Outside of that, that's a loaded group of starters. The, the real question with Miami is the health issue, right? I mean, it, it, the offensive line, we feel good about three-fifths of their players, but if you take out Teron, Teron Armstead at left tackle, who continually gets hurt, it's an issue. If two is healthy, that offense can cook, right? That offense, mm-hmm. he, was, he was really good at distributing the ball. Mike McDaniel, coming from the Kyle Shanahan tree, showed that he's, he can run a similar offense, and he's been blessed with a, as fast of a roster as there is in the NFL, to, to put defenses in a bind. And they took advantage of that with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell adding A-chain and as a running back this, this offseason. And then uh, it's hype season. We should do a whole – I think we should do a whole show on OTA hype. Okay. Just read all the positivity and buy into it. But Jalen here's, – here's one of those quotes. Jalen Ramsey said the best defense he's ever played for. Jalen Ramsey has come over. Now listen – there's Jalen Ramsey plus Vic Fangio. Yes. Okay. So there's there's a it's it's a double whammy here. Jalen Ramsey comes in, who is another guy who's who's still really good. He had uh, he gave up some big plays last year. Still an awesome football player. One of the best corners in the NFL, if not the best. Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard on both sides, but Ramsey playing in Fangio's scheme. Fangio's the guy that every new young coach is trying to mold his scheme around. It's kind of like cover two in the early 2000s. Like we're, it's, we're, we're all the Fangio tree here. And Vic himself is in. I mean, the AFC East, like somebody's not going to be good. Somebody's not going to win enough games there. But like we said with the AFC West last year, this looks loaded. It looks loaded on paper. So the, the on-paper Dolphins, I'm with you. They look awesome. And I do think they could be in the conversation for that top six or seven. So you would put them over the Jets. Yeah. Same division, Jets are at the, seven on this list, but you'd put the Dolphins over them. Yes. The Vic Fangio thing I don't think should be understated. Like, that 
Jalen Ramsey is a great addition. I think because he's going to be playing in Vic Fangio's defense, which suits the strengths of Jalen Ramsey, who as much as he's like, in terms of size and shape and skill set, you think of him as the prototypical like man-to-man shutdown corner. But he's always been a better player in zone coverage than he has been playing man-to-man. And in Vic Fangio's defense, we might see the best version of Jalen Ramsey or, or like very right back to his very, very best. Yeah. Same thing with Xavier Howard. Like Vic Fangio could make that defense into one of the best defenses in the NFL because the talent has been there for a while. They just haven't really been able to get it all to, to come together. The offense was already there last season as long as Tua was healthy and playing quarterback. And they upgraded the contingency. They have Mike White there now, who Mike White was enough to convince like Jets fans that he could be the guy in a bad Jets offense that wasn't really functioning. Mike White in Mike McDaniel's system with the fastest group of playmakers in the NFL might actually look quite good. So I just think the Miami Dolphins deserve to be in that conversation with that elite group wherever you set that tier. So you, will you put the Dolphins above the Jets? Yeah. Let's discuss the Jets came in at seven in this ranking. Look, the AFC East is going to be loaded. Uh, the other... The other training camp buzz includes AFC East Patriots, right? Like where their their rookie, you know, Christian Gonzalez looks smooth. He's wearing their their typical number fifty. <laughs> Christian Gonzalez looks Mac smooth. Jones, yeah, he looks That's smooth. That's what we're saying in training yeah. camp. Mac Jones has completed ninety six percent of his passes. Like nobody's going to lose in the AFC East next year, mm. just based off of uh, what's happening here in June. But the Jets. I just love that the analysis for Christian Gonzalez is literally like the first term that anybody ever every read scouting report. scouting report. Wow, every that scouting. guy is so smooth. Hey, guys, breaking news. I've just been out of practice, and uh, Christian Gonzalez looks really smooth out there. Before you get into the Jets, more breaking news. The player you benched in fantasy football just went off. Yeah. But with best ball on DraftKings, you get the best of your team all season long. This year, best ball on DraftKings is bigger and better than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. Join DraftKings' biggest best ball contest today and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. You just get the money back. Enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest and snake draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers, no ads, drops, or trades. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. Head to, head to the DraftKings app and sign up with the code PFF. Join DraftKings' $10 million best ball tournament and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars. That's code PFF only on DraftKings. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with a $10 entry fee. Bonus issued as $10 DK dollars. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. Ends July 23rd, 2023. It's actually July 14th, 2023. Hmm. So remember that. Have you seen the uh, Jacksonville's new stadium video, I, renders, pictures, whatever? I saw some pictures. I call it the, the house that Mark built. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I don't uh, see a pool in this one. Yeah, they might want the fans to watch the game instead. Hmm. You don't have to when, – when Mark – well, okay, Trevor Lawrence is there. When Trevor Lawrence is quarterback, you're not encouraging people to come swim. You're coming to see the game. Yeah. But what about – I mean, the stadium presumably is going to last longer than Trevor Lawrence's career. You don't want to build in the idea that what if the next guy isn't as good. Sustained success. It's going to be like the uh, Packers. They'll just uh, – Trevor Lawrence will become a Jet in 15 years, and they'll move on to the next guy, the next Hall of Famer. All right. So there you go. Go Jacks. You're going to keep people in the city. Um, the Jets. So the, the, the narrative with the Jets was the defense took a massive step forward last year, and Sauce Gardner came in and looked like the best corner in the NFL, and they've got some pass rushers now, and Salas finally got his group cooking. But the quarterback play. But 
the quarterback play. They had a game where they lost on a punt return for a touchdown because they only scored three points. They had games where Zach Wilson just couldn't do anything. Zach Wilson was actually the quarterback that beat the Bills in a game. Yeah. And Jets fans had, uh, I mean, they were, they were excited. Has Zach Wilson turned a corner? Has Zach Wilson turned a corner? He converted a third and two slant. It was the best game as a Jet, mm. they tell us. And then he was bad. But the Jets have Aaron Rodgers. And look, I'm not one to buy into mid-June hype, early June hype. But Aaron Rodgers just didn't miss a throw in the red zone the other day. Yeah. That may, might be my favorite. Like the, my favorite part of the hype is the hype on, in red zone drills. Where it's like Aaron Rodgers, eight for nine with eight touchdowns, red zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that you, when you complete a pass, tight red zone, you're probably going to score a touchdown on it. Right, when you're starting off at the three. Yeah, eight t- it's probably going. We in. ran nine straight plays from the three. We scored uh, seven touchdowns. Yeah. Look at that, seven touchdown day for Aaron Rodgers. It's a but good like, passer. Rate. But like people are just used to game stats. Like it actually. Anyway, Rodgers and Garrett Wilson already found their chemistry. <laughs> yeah, it's already happening. Yeah, which against, I believe I believe will happen. I mean, against air, those guys are locked in. There are also a lot of stories. I mean, a story out there already. The Aaron Rodgers stories. Look, I predicted this. The same as like the Matt Ryan stories last year. Like Matt, Matt Ryan's making this offense his own in Indianapolis. He's, he's adding his own route concepts. Yeah. He's, 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 uh, he's challenging Frank Reich well, the principal- to advance his offense, to make it better. Let me go. Just let me cook here. Okay. Matt Ryan, he's, he's challenging his teammates to make sure that they know the playbook inside and out. You can copy and paste that same article. That's what's happening in New York right now. Aaron Rodgers, he's doing pop quizzes with his teammates, making sure they know what they're doing. They didn't do that. Do you think Zach Wilson's doing pop quizzes with his teammates? Aaron Rodgers is. So it's all good in New York right now. Well, Zach Wilson hasn't been a, uh, a Jeopardy host, so Rodgers has knows. a leg up there. And do you um, think he's do you think he's posing him posing them? He's asking questions and looking for answers. No, he's he's looking for answers. He's giving answers. Yes. and looking for questions. One hundred percent. Yeah, he's doing it Jeopardy style. Like he's what is two jet? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, One of the principal differences between Rodgers and Matt Ryan last year, though, is that, like, they're they're presumably just turning the offense over to him and saying, no, 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 make this your own. Tell us what we're running here because that's this whole thing has just been set up for you to do your thing. I would imagine Frank Reich at least envisioned envisioned Matt Ryan being more of a – you know, a partner. Yeah, you're a savvy veteran, a guy that's been in the league a long time, but we both know what the score is. Like, we'll come to some arrangement between the two of us. Whereas I think the dynamic in New York is more, hey, Aaron, just as long as you could just let us know by Thursday what we're doing, you know, for the game, that would be great. But, but it's, it's all you, you know. You do whatever you think's best. Just try and let us know along the way. You know, when you use our staff, just let us know, that kind of thing, you know. I'm a little scared with that. I, I don't know if that's the way to go. Like the, uh, like the cops from uh, Die Hard, you know, when the FBI takes over. He's like, we'll try and let you know when we commandeer your staff. It's kind of like Nathaniel Hackett is the local PD. He's like, if you could just let me know when you use the coaches. Thanks. That's, that's all. Do you trust Aaron Rodgers being his own coach? No. The same, like, like if you give. I don't you, think that's a good idea for anybody. When you give the reins to like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, though, I think it feels a little different. I think, and they've had they've had success doing. Like when Brady got his his hands on Bruce Arians' offense and put his twist on it, or even last year when Brady just went two minute 
over and over again in all those comeback situations, the offense looked different after looking putrid for three quarters. Peyton Manning made the Broncos' offense his own. Yeah. Do you have that same sense that Aaron Rodgers could do that? I think there's definitely times where turning it over to the quarterback is your best option, but I don't think that's ever the ideal scenario. So even with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, like the Peyton Manning thing only happened when they had him trying to run like a new offense and this was post-neck injury, Peyton Manning, neck fusion or whatever he had, you know, noodle arm Peyton Manning, and it just wasn't working, right? And eventually they were like, okay, to hell with this. Tell us what the offense is. Like, you come up with what you're comfortable with and we'll make it work. That, so in that scenario, that was obviously the best thing that could happen for that offense and for Peyton Manning. But it's probably not the best dynamic they could have come up with. Like, in an ideal world, you want to challenge Peyton Manning and try and get him you know, doing some different things and maybe you're outside of his comfort zone and blah, blah, blah. Peyton Manning might also be maybe a singular unique quarterback for whom he's actually capable of doing that. Like, you know, we talked for years about the sort of intuitive ability he had to always make sure that he wasn't biasing himself in one way or the other. Like, there was a while where generally every quarterback in the NFL would lean, would target more towards their dominant hand if you're right-handed you would lean to the right-hand side of the field if you're left-handed you would throw the left-hand side more the only quarterback in the NFL that was like down the line down the middle didn't bias one direction or the other was Peyton Manning like whether or not all this was conscious or whether he was just really good at staying straight down the line Manning might be the best quarterback of all time at being able to do that on his own without somebody like over his shoulder making sure Um, but I think generally you want a guy who can challenge the quarterback and force him just to keep honest and, and impartial and not just leaning into the things that he wants to do. Um, so as much as like, it's absolutely possible that the best thing the Jets could do will be Rodgers running it. I, however, think that's almost certainly never the best plan. Like you want the coach to be, I mean, Matt, uh, Matt LaFleur, um, you want him to be challenging Rodgers and saying, look, no, you don't like doing this. I don't care. We need you doing this. Like, this is an important thing, and you're going to have to get better at it. And in doing that, you will be better overall. Like, it's important. It is interesting how much in the last you – know, so Peyton Manning was a rare case for a while. You right. didn't see an elite – specifically, you didn't see an elite or even a very good quarterback switch teams. And we didn't know if Peyton was still in his prime, but he still had some prime years left. Right. Yeah. And and switch teams and just see what that looked like. We hadn't seen that a ton over the years, right? And then in recent years, we've seen Brady now, and we're going to see Aaron Rodgers. We saw Russell Wilson, um, other guys that I'm missing. It's, it's Matt. I mean, Matt Ryan. Does that even count? He goes to a new team, but clearly, physically, he wasn't the same guy. So I'm, I'm not saying that was a failure, but um, Brett Favre a little hit or miss depending on where he went you know he had the spite year in minnesota but other than that you know two out of three years weren't great despite um the spite year was great um it's interesting we got more data points on the uh you know the veteran quarterback going to a new place and it's been hit it's been hit or miss historically because the the other end of the spectrum like the problem with just turning over responsibility to the the quarterback is what if he just starts doing things because he doesn't like doing like because the on the one hand, you got Peyton Manning, who you know has been the best quarterback maybe ever of sort of staying honest down the line, doing everything the way it's supposed to be done. The other end is you say, all right, we're just not going to run play action because Roethlisberger doesn't like turning his back in the defense. You're like, well, that's objectively bad. 
Like that is objectively making the offense worse and you are allowing it to happen simply because the quarterback has a comfort level of doing things in a certain way. So that's the risk. Like if you think that Rodgers will run the offense straight down the line, whether or not he likes doing specific things, fine, that's probably the way to do it or that there's no problem doing it that way. However, if you think Rodgers will do some of the Roethlisberger stuff and say, hey, you know what? I don't like running this. I don't like pre-snap motion because of whatever, right? And you just, well, we're just not going to do it anymore. That's a problem. See, that's the thing, right? Like Rodgers has a point in his career where he stopped trying to win from the pocket often enough. He was vacating clean pockets. He wasn't using the middle of the field and he hated pre-snap motion. Matt LaFleur got him back on track with all of that stuff. Right. Getting rid of the ball quickly, using motion to create mismatches and attacking the middle of the field. If Rodgers is inclined, his instincts are, let me do what I'm comfortable with. So he's either more comfortable with that stuff that they just did over the last three years in Green Bay, or he's going to revert back to this 2017-18 version that was like, no, nah, I like to, you know, I do what I do. Throwing outside the numbers, I'm going to make plays, I don't like motion, I like, you know, static defense. That's going to be fascinating, how much Rodgers actually has that type of control here. We have uh, more breaking news. Real breaking news? Or another DraftKings read? Uh, no, real breaking news. Uh, you can debate how interesting the news is, but the uh, Madden 24 cover athlete is now known. It's Josh Allen. Oh, nice. Is that Josh where you would have gone, Josh Allen? I saw Sauce Gardner tweeted out himself as the Madden cover. So I didn't know if he was, he was the guy. Yeah, Josh Allen's good. Uh, who, was, who was it last year? Uh, Who the last couple of years? But, uh, Who's broken Mahomes, the curse to this? Brady broke the curse to a point, right? He like won MVP when he was on it. Did Mahomes? Oh no, Madden twenty three was the the John Madden one. John or, Madden year. Yeah, the the homage to Madden after him dying. Or it should be Madden forever. Well, I mean that's the way it was for that's the way first, it was. However many years it was just. Did John you buy Madden. Madden back in the day, or were you just playing that arcade mutant league game? No, I had Madden as well. What was your first? What was the first year you bought Madden? Four or five? Oh, four? Oh, five? No, no, no. 94 or five. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, mean, I, was, I was 95. Yeah. Madden 95. Madden on the cover. The old school Fox Sports. Fox, uh, Fox football intro. Yeah. Da-da-da, I think da-da-da. it was 95. I don't. Eh, it could have been. And then 96 when the ambulance ran over dudes. That was awesome. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> First year of the See, jab. you like that. That's Mutant League is all about that. Yeah, but that was like a, a fun glitch in a sim, you know? It's not like the whole game's built around that. <sighs> Whatever. Mutant League probably had the ambulance as like a wide receiver or something. I might have had 94 looking at these screenshots. Really? Yeah. Yeah, 95 was the first one. I remember, like, couldn't wait to get home from school to fire up the Sega Genesis. Yeah. Which you called something different. Mega Drive. Mega Drive. Uh-huh. And then uh, 97. Which was a pain, by the way, because those games at that time were region-locked. So, like, getting Madden in Europe is not the easiest thing in the world, necessarily. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then there was a point where we jumped into uh, PS1. Was that 98? Probably 98. Anyway, Madden, great. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen is the uh, cover. Let us know. What do you think of Josh Allen as the cover athlete? And let us know. When did you first buy Madden? What do you mean we're old? We are pretty old. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's a lot of people listening to this who probably weren't born in 94. Yeah. Yeah. It's eye-opening. Mm-hmm. It really is. I, I saw, because I'm, you know, big TikTok guy over here. 
there was a video that surfaced up. It was like songs that are turning 30 this year. <laughs> That's not a good video to, to watch, you know? You're like, come on, seriously? Those songs are 30 years old? Like Salt and Pepper stuff? Uh, yeah, that was one of them. Yeah. Oasis, Champagne Supernova, I think was another one. That's, That's 30, 30? 30 years old now. Yikes. Yeah. It's not a good feeling watching those. When was everybody's first Madden? I, I think the first football game I played was uh, Joe Montana football at my buddy's house. Really? Yeah. I didn't have that. Montana football yeah. back in 1991, maybe. Uh, all right, let's get back to the roster rankings. Uh, the Ravens are eight, so let's go through this next chunk. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to – can't spend six hours on this, right? I mean, we could, but we Ravens won't. are eight. Chargers are nine. Your Dolphins are ten. You already said that you wanted them higher. Seahawks, 11. Steelers, 12. And Lions, 13. Mm-hmm. Agree, disagree? What are your thoughts on this next chunk of rosters here? You can make a case for all of them, right? I mean, we're in the – Yeah. We're, we're I mean, creeping into the middle tier here. Sort of. I think there's an obvious line to be drawn there. Do you? Where would you – if you're – there's the top 16 are on the screen I right think the now. top 10. So where would you draw the line? Below the – if you put – if the Dolphins are at 10, I would say below the Dolphins. Yeah, same. Before you get to the Seahawks, Steelers. The, now, I think you could – I might bump up the Lions or the Browns. I think you could on this list. draw – I think you could, you could create uh, two tiers of the top 10. So there's, ba- there's like – to me, there's probably a top five and then a bottom five of the top 10. But then there's a clear line between those teams and the Seahawks. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the, uh, it's, it's June. I love the Chargers. And obviously the Chargers, you need to factor in like minus five spots for when everybody gets hurt. Yeah. I mean, the Chargers win it again on paper. That's all they can do. That's all you can do. I mean, but, but, but that's a thing where whatever about how good the team will be, you know, whether they'll win the Super Bowl, whether they'll make the playoffs, et cetera, when you're ranking rosters in June, you have to give them credit for the players that are there. Which You can't, as much as we know, they'll all get hurt and they won't actually be there come December and it'll be a problem. Right now they're all there, so they have to have a good roster. Oh, no, there's other terrible news. More breaking news. Yeah? The Iron Sheik has passed away. Really? Yeah. 81 years old. He's 81 years old? Yeah. Come on. That's another, like... I mean, he was a... Making you feel old moment. World champ in 84. I guess. Isn't he, like... See, he was still a big Twitter guy. He's just out here tweeting all the time. So I saw... So I saw the tweet. I follow, I follow Shiki. And uh, it said, respect the legend forever. And then there was like a bunch of paragraphs. And I'm thinking, okay, somebody passed away and Iron Sheik is paying his respects. Turns out it's him that's passed away. But it was him. So uh, we will not be getting him yelling at people, calling him Bubba uh-huh. on, uh, on Twitter any longer. So I believe his wife maybe posted. Somebody posted this. A few children, wife, Carol of 47 years. So, rest in peace, Iron Sheik. 80-something years old. God. 81. Yeah, that's sad. Okay. Sorry, we've got to stay focused here. There's a lot going on around the NFL. And Twitter. And Twitter. There's a lot going on on Twitter. Mm. Um, so, I think that's fair. Like, look, the, the Chargers have to be in the top 10 off-season, off-season roster. Yeah. Because we're going to assume health to a point. And, man, even though Khalil Mack wasn't the same last year, Joey Bosa kind of wasn't the same. Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, the player, they've got stars on that side of the ball. Again, yeah. and um, 
see what Brandon Staley can do now in year three there. It's a big year for Staley because that defense is supposed to be that's supposed to be his thing, and he's got players to right. play. You know, to, to play with. I think Eric Kendricks is a nice addition there. But um, yeah, Chargers I think have to be up there. The Seahawks and the Steelers being an eleven and twelve. To me, both of those rosters are like they're in the right, moving in the right direction. They've they they feel their starters feel strong, far better maybe than they did last year at this time. They're the team that just keeps adding like a starting guard and a starting corner and a starting this and this, and it's all looking good. It comes down to the X factor that we wrote in the articles, Geno Smith for the Seahawks, and for me, I think it's it's Kenny, you know, Kenny Pickett, right? Is how how good is he in year two? for the Steelers because I do think everything around them is is solid and that a top to 10 to 15 roster for both teams makes sense do you think Detroit has done enough to push themselves up into that you know top 10 kind of range because they've they've done good work yeah. they're already a pretty good team they're they're absolutely moving in the right direction but when you look at the kind of 22 starters there's quite a few players on that that you would think yeah they're probably not great they're they're, they're similar to what we said about the Niners earlier where I think, like, when you're talking about the Lions, when you're predicting what the Lions would do, you're baking in a little Ben Johnson's Colin plays and did a great job last year. Uh, Goff's numbers were fantastic, and even though the, the grade wasn't great, I think it was because of all of it, right? The whole supporting cast. And, and when I look at the Lions, a lot of it is based off potential. Yes. It's Jamison Williams coming back and being that bona fide deep threat. And he doesn't have to be that much more. He doesn't have to be a high-volume guy. Can he just be that deep threat? After Can, suspension. After suspension, right. Sam Laporta being another athletic tight end, and Jameer Gibbs adding a ton of athleticism to the running back position and you know the, the guy that you're going to move around, and then all of the additions in the secondary. There's a lot of potential there in Detroit. There is, but like they could be starting for rookies, and that's not even factoring in guys like James Houston or um, you know Jamison Williams, who we basically haven't really seen play either. Like there's, right. there's quite a large percentage of that team that is entire either entirely unknown or very heavily weighted on what they could be, but might not actually be. It also could be similar to last year. What what they start one and six, one and like they they started out rough. We know that a lot of rookies don't hit the ground running. Right. And you met Jack Campbell, Brian Branch, Jameer Gibbs, all the uh, and Sam Laporta. Like those, if they're counting on those guys significantly, it might not. It might take till seventy yeah. week seven, eight, nine, whatever it might be. And so, yeah, I think the Lions are really good, moving in the right direction. Excited about them, but like roster wise, I think it's in the right oh area. One more team to talk about before we should start looking at the ass end of the the list. Um, the Cleveland Browns, I think, are better than they're ranking right now. They are ranked reports from camp. 14th. Reports from camp. Oh, yeah? It's going well, is it? It was outstanding yesterday. Outstanding, huh? It was outstanding. There's a mighty roar from the control room. A mighty roar. Not from Mike Quinn, Bengals fan, from Tyler, our, our resident Browns fan. I mean, he, Tyler, you should be excited. Deshaun Watson slinging it like it's 2020. Yeah. The ball didn't hit the ground. Didn't hit the ground, huh? Did not hit the ground. And if it did, it was probably on purpose. It was probably a spike. Got gotcha. a two-minute drill. Yeah. Deshaun Watson, that, it was how it was supposed to look. Dare I say the best OTA practice in Cleveland Browns history. <laughs> I'm adding my own color now at this point. Mm. But, uh, but it's looking good there. And in all, realistically, I know you and I have both said we, 
we like the Browns roster a lot better this year. Where, yeah. where again, I thought last year was like a slight step back heading right. into the season, and this year I think they've gotten back on That's track. That's the thing. Like this, this team had one of the best rosters in the NFL for a couple of years and didn't really have the answer at quarterback. Like, forget last year because we were dealing with the the new arrival of Deshaun Watson, the suspension that he was dealing with, and the fact that we thought that that roster had started to get chipped away at. Go back a year before that, and you were talking – this is a really good roster, and Baker Mayfield is coming off the best stretch of his career going into what is going to be a career year for him. Like The talk about Cleveland that offseason was really excited, in part, largely, in fact, because the roster was so good. And then Baker Mayfield, we thought, could take the step with that roster. Last year, it took a step back. They lost some players. They got eroded at a couple of areas um, because all the resources went towards securing Deshaun Watson. But this offseason, I think they've done an amazing job of, like, building it back up and putting back the pieces that had had fallen apart. So, in particular, that defensive line has been completely overhauled. Like, Dalvin Tomlinson, um, Okoronkwo come in in free agency. They add players in the draft as well. Miles Garrett is obviously already there. That's a really a much stronger unit now than it was this time a year ago. And I think... Not only will that make the defensive line a lot better, but I think the defensive line last year was actually the root cause for the secondary playing as badly as it did. So in theory, the overhaul that they've done up front might make almost the entire defense way better. Um, If Deshaun Watson, like he's obviously the biggest X factor in this whole thing, but the wide receivers, Amari Cooper, Peoples-Jones, Elijah Moore coming over from the Jets, David Njoku already there, their offensive line is consistently one of the best in the NFL. I mean, that should be a very good roster. Jim Schwartz comes in to coordinate the defense. Another big potential like addition in the, the mold of Vic Fangio. He likes to rely. He, he might not be as good as Fangio, but he likes to rely on that front four. They invested in it, as you said. Um, Zadarius Smith being just a really underrated addition there to go with Miles Garrett and all that. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to like in Cleveland. And, and look, it's, it's kind of like ranking quarterbacks, isn't it, Sam? Like there's a – it feels like a pretty clear – top group but then when you rank eight through 20 yeah is there a massive difference probably not i mean it's a it's a bell curve that's what it looks like so let's go to the bottom the worst rosters Mm. in the nfl by this ranking number 32 is the arizona cardinals i i feel like you could put them at 40 just to (laughs) emphasize where they are they're rebuilding how many sec teams are they worse than stop they're not that bad um you can see the list on the screen. So if, if we don't talk about your team that's ranked, you know, between 14 and 24, our apologies. But um, we're going to the bottom of the list here. Now, let's go backwards. Cardinals are 32, Rams 31, Texans 30, Colts 29, and the Bucks 28. Anything that you disagree with? And the pa- Packers 27. Hmm. Anything that you disagree with here on this list? The Packers being 27, I think, is harsh. That That's a better roster than that, in my opinion. Um, I think the Buccaneers is probably a better roster than that. But they I, have no quarterback. So I agree with the Bucs. That yeah. one is fair because I, I, you can debate with these things how much you have to value the quarterback or whatever. But when your quarterbacks on the roster are Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask, you can't really escape the bottom five rosters in the NFL. Um, I think the Colts one is – is a difficult one too because I think for ye- for years it looked like Chris Ballard was doing a really good job and adding to the squad and, and the only real question was can you can you upgrade the pass game can you upgrade quarterback and receiver and 
I feel like they've lost that a little bit. The O-line looks good on paper, but we know that there were times last year where they were just just bad, just truly bad up front. They should be better. Um, Isaiah Rogers, is he officially out for the season now? I Corner? think so. Did I read the right news? I know there's a lot of fake news going around on the Colts, but Isaiah Rogers with the uh, the gambling issue. But the defense, you know, if you get Shaquille Leonard back for, for a full season and back to what he is, it, it looks a little bit better. But the defense is, is pretty good. But even there, you lose, Isaiah, it looked like Isaiah Rodgers and friends, and he, you know, he's got one year of production. And so corner's a big question mark in Indianapolis, and we just don't know what's going to happen with Anthony Richardson. So most of the teams here, it's just quarterback questions. I believe it's uh, it's only investigation as things currently stand for Isaiah Rogers. So Having said that, he has released a statement himself on Twitter addressing current reports. I want to take full responsibility for my actions. I know I've made mistakes. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to repair the situation. So it is not much of a case to avoid a suspension is what I'm saying. Yeah, sounds like he's taking responsibility. So, yeah, yeah like the secondary's got questions. Uh, Indy had a, a really fun draft of athletic players. But unless it looks like Seattle's draft last year, where five of them hit right away, it's tough to it's tough to project Indy as, as any higher than that. Um, I think the Texans, so the Rams being thirty one, by the way, makes sense. But they still have some stars, right? They still have St- yeah. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald. It's just the depth there is a big question mark. They're going to rely on a ton of rookies. They almost have to be ranked here because that's just how they've chosen to construct their team. I think the Texans feel a little harsh. I know you're not, you don't love their roster, but I also feel like you could you could make the case that they remind me a little bit of the Steelers of the last couple of years, where the Steelers actually did have a whole bunch of mid tier type of players, and it all added up to it adds up to your eight nine wins. I'm not saying that's where the Texans land, but their roster feels a lot closer to average than it has the last couple of years, in my opinion. Maybe. Um, the Just Texans, maybe. I think, are a team where because they've added like so many players, many of whom in the last couple of years have reasonable play in their range of outcomes, and it didn't really matter because they didn't have a quarterback, they didn't have a plan, they didn't have a coach that you trusted. Like They were treading water the last couple of years at coach with David Culley and then um, Lovey Smith. Now they have coaching. Like We look at the, player, or the coaches that they brought in in terms of D'Amico Ryans and former PFF Bobby, and you think, well, those are good coaches. They should be able to get the most out of the players that they've added. So does that transform a guy like Desmond King, who we know has been an elite slot defender in previous years, hasn't really hit that play in his past, or a Jalen Petrie who flashed quite a lot but missed like a million and seven tackles? Like, does that immediately turn those guys into different players? Because if they're able to go and just sort of add 20% to the production of every player that we quite liked that they added over the last couple of years that haven't really uh, come good, then it's a totally different team. Yeah, I, I think that's what I'm getting at. You, I, I, I could just, I could see that. I could see them getting better. Right. Um, Can the, we talk for a second about just how bad this Arizona Cardinals roster is? No, I didn't want to, I didn't want to harp on it. It's so bad. Look at it. Look I know. I don't want it. to. It's awful. How did it fall apart that fast? Because even so, two years ago they were in the was it 2021? They were undefeated, seven eight weeks into the year, so just two years ago. But they still felt like 
remember, was it Vance Joseph was running the D, right? And it didn't feel like they were supposed to be that good on defense. But they were kind of making it work, scheming it up. Safeties were active. The corners didn't look great. So all those little weaknesses remain, like they never really fixed them. They just kind of worked around them. And then, of course, Kyler gets hurt. So we know we know they don't have Kyler mm-hmm. going into this year. If they have Kyler, they probably make some different decisions for this year. So I think it's easier for them to punt on this year and not really add a whole lot. But then you have multiple years of you draft a Zayvon Collins in the first and an Isaiah Simmons in the first, and you're just you're not getting the most out of those guys. Like that's all it's all adding up for the Cardinals. And you spent back to back picks, your two first round picks on linebackers who haven't really been producing, and so you have holes in they, in premium positions. It their <laughs> their entire circus when it comes to off the ball linebacker in the last ten years is just objectively hysterical. Hassan Reddick. They draft an edge rusher. Hassan Reddick and to try and make him into an off-the-ball linebacker and he's so bad at that they have to move him back to edge rusher where it turns out he's really good and now he's a star for the Eagles um, they then draft a safety effectively uh, a, a defensive back a jack-of-all-trades in the back end for for Clemson Isaiah Simmons and because he's an absolute freak show of, of body type and size they try and make him into an off-the-ball linebacker Turns out he's bad at that, so now they're moving him back to the slot and or safety or some form of defensive back role that he should have had all the way along. Then they draft Zayvon Collins, who was an off-the-ball linebacker, a good one. And now they appear in training camp to be trying to turn him into an edge rusher. And it's like, how is it possible that you've taken an edge rusher, tried to make him a linebacker, a DB tried to make him a linebacker, an actual linebacker, and then might be a bailing on the idea of making him into a linebacker, and you still need linebackers. I used to have to explain this more, but just to reiterate, right, like when teams were running three, four defense and they called their edge rushers linebackers, it was it was really like it was really misleading when you said you know like Joey Porter is yes. the, is a linebacker and uh, James Farrier is a linebacker. It is like one's an edge rusher, one's a, a true linebacker. Right? We've learned more about that, I think, but very rarely do linebackers become edge rushers. It does work the other way. Sure. Where edge rushers become like Joe Schobert has done it and Teddy Bruschi did it back in the day. Like a lot of pass rushers do become linebackers. And they might not. But like, real linebackers don't become yeah. every down pass rushers. And they might not be doing that with Zayvon Collins. Like they might just be giving him some work on the edge and, you know, let, let him be more versatile um, within that defense. But if they are actually trying to move him to the edge. And Which like, he's never done. Like he's never been right. a pure pass rusher, even How though he's got a big it, body that could do it. Given the attention that they've given that position in recent years, it is mind-blowing that they might still have a giant glaring weakness in the middle of that defense. Yeah, so it's a lot of these things adding up. Their edge rushers don't look great on paper. They're just they're young and, you know, Cameron Thomas, Majai Sanders, B.J. Ojolari, they, they're in a rebuild, man. And, then, and they're big, like a lot of their big-name players were guys like bringing in J.J. Watt Right. And he's retired, right? I mean, so you just don't have much depth. And then the other unit where you look at it on paper, and it it actually is shocking how bad it is, is the Rams defense. The Rams defense might have the worst defense in the NFL with Aaron Donald on the team, which should be impossible. I I feel like I take a different tact with them because, yeah, I don't know if they're necessarily bad, but they're just all unknown. Which probably means bad. They're probably based not off great. The usual distribution for how that works. A lot of young, a lot of like the entire secondary is young. Jordan Fuller, like in remember year, like, three for him, year four, is um, is the veteran of the group. Remember when they moved Michael Hecht to the edge 
just because yeah. they ran out of edge rushers and it was like a pinch, you know, thing last season. He's, he might still start for them. It's like a, a 310-pound uh, edge rusher. Yeah. Who's not like, by the way, there are some times, like, occasionally you will find these sort of 300-pound edge rushers because they're either physical freaks or somehow it just works, like a Charles Grant back with the Saints. You're like, okay, there's nothing about Michael Hecht's play that makes you think he belongs playing on the edge. And yet, he might be the starter for them there this year. It's a path for Byron Young and Nick Hampton. He also looks, by the rookies. way, when you pull up his picture or when they show it as the, you know, unveiling the starters on Sunday Night Football or whatever, he looks like somebody that's playing a role in the Kurt Warner movie <laughs> rather than like an actual football player. You mentioned Jack Youngblood, right? Yeah, he's like, he's a guy playing Jack Youngblood in a Kurt Warner straight to Netflix movie or whatever it was. Yeah, so the Rams aren't great on paper. And they have Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. And Aaron Donald. Donald. Yeah. Just trade him. I'll just start over all I mean, the way across the board. The offense is closer to those groups where you're like, I can see a world where that all functions okay. Yeah. But that defense, even with Aaron Donald, looks like one of the worst units in the NFL. Um, Bucks being at 28, I agree. Like, on paper, they shouldn't be this bad. But there's, there's definitely been a lot more turnover. The receiving room is still good with Mike Evans, you know, presumably a, a healthier Chris Godwin and, and Russell Gage. The offensive line, to me, is a question. You know, Cody Mock probably coming in to start. Tristan Wirfs moving from the right to the left side. Not the same depth, but it, but it still comes down to it's it's Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield basically splitting reps yeah. right now. And I think that's and probably, no matter who wins. I mean, that's that's the biggest issue I think for the Bucks. I think that's probably what keeps the Colts as far down the list as they are as well. The idea that Anthony Richardson is their quarterback, but I actually think the Colts roster is not that bad. In fact, it's it's fine. So I would take the same tact. So you said the same thing about the Packers, right? The offense is – or the, the, the team is pretty decent. Yeah. And, look, they weren't as good defensively as they thought they might be. But they have a similar group of players. And they could be. Like defense you – know, predicting defense year in, year out is difficult. So they could be good defensively. And by the way – The offense has potential with the playmakers, but they're going to come down to we don't know what we're getting with Jordan Love. Yes. Yeah, what else were you going to say? Well, so um... – I, I don't know what the, the futures numbers, but the futures numbers hate the Colts. Like, they think the Colts will stink this year. Vegas, the man in Vegas, thinks that the Colts yeah. will be wretched this year. I don't think it's as, they're as hard on the Packers, for example. But as much as I'm trying to make the case for the Colts roster being better, it, like, they're expected to stink this year. Well, we forget how much they did stink last year. Oh, they were bad. They stank. They stank. They were bad last they year. Stank out loud. They were really bad last year. It is interesting because I think the Anthony Richardson running the ball deal, like if he just runs for 800 to 1,000 yards, they're just going to accidentally win some games anyway. Yeah. Even if he's not completing passes at a high level. Um, the other team I think is better than their ranking is the Falcons. We have them at 26. But the you know, first question I asked you here was Desmond Ritter. We don't know what he's going to be. But I, I, all the pieces that they added around him in Atlanta, A, they're fun. Hmm. Bijan and Drake London and Kyle Pitts and all those dudes on the same offense. But they added to their defense like they were a team looking to compete. Yeah. Right? They, made, they made the Jesse Bates move and a Calais Campbell move. Like They made these moves, Bud Dupree, for whatever it's worth, but you know, on the cheap. They added all these veterans thinking, like, we're going to compete here. In Atlanta, so their defense is far better than it's been in recent years. Yeah, it is. They're another team. So I think generally this list has been extremely harsh to teams that don't have an obvious solution at quarterback. 
um, overly harsh, I think. I think Green Bay, Indianapolis, Atlanta are all better than their ranking suggests because they don't have, when they're there on their ranking, because they don't have a quarterback. Uh, effectively, or one that you can trust. Like Tennessee, to me, is still a worse roster than probably all three of those teams. Um, they, I think, are in trouble with that roster, even with the. They've made some additions, and you know, there's a world where some players are still good enough to keep them buoyant. But the Titans' roster, I think, top to bottom, is not good. Yeah, the Titans at 25. Yeah, but they're you know they're interesting too because two years ago they're like the the list of players didn't look great either, and they were the number one seed. Sure. And we, you know, the, where does the the Mike Vrabel factor come in? Did, we, in, did he lose a little luster because they did fall fall apart last year? It's interesting to see the New York Giants at twenty three after you know divisional round of the playoff team last year. That was the other team I was going to bring up. So like the Vikings were sixteen mm-hmm. in this ranking, which you know you always say they're just mid tier team. That's what they are. Yep. Um, would any Giants fan argue with them at twenty three right now? Probably. I know you would. I know they would. But the list of players, so it's it's kind of coach agnostic. I know there's we talked about maybe maybe we're swayed a little bit, but if we say the coaching staff is going to get the most out of these guys, we think we don't know. We've only seen it for one year. This list of players, the list of your starters and your backups, are the Giants higher than twenty three? Again, I think a lot of the teams in the ten to twenty five range are not completely interchangeable, but you could you could move a team seven or eight slots and it's not egregious. How high could you move the Giants up and make a strong enough case? Could you make them roster 17 or 18? I, I think that's probably the the peak for them right now from just a a roster standpoint. Just like everybody else, they need that some of their rookies, Deontay Banks, John Michael Schmitz, to hit the ground running, and, and that changes things. Yeah, I mean, the Giants have the same uh, win total projection at Vegas as teams like the Panthers, the Titans. Uh, who else is in that? Packers. Uh, so they all they all have the same over under basically. Yeah, yeah. So one we're right more. in that range. Yeah, one more than the Colts. Yeah, that's fair. <sighs> My buddy Mike said, uh, "Put a camel clutch on your kids tonight." Mm. You know, pretty sure that's illegal. I think. Well, are you suggesting wrestling's <laughs> real? I'm suggesting the move is the camel clutch. Yeah, I mean, clearly real, you could put it on a way that you're not gonna, you know, hurt your kids. Real or not, it still feels like child abuse. <laughs> well, don't tell anyone. I will put all four of my kids into a camel clutch in honor of Shiki tonight. Okay, just don't We're gonna film do it or anything, and then you'd probably be okay. What? I, I suplex them. I, hmm. Onto a bed. Soft. That's that's fine. I don't want to live in a world where I can't put wrestling moves on my kids. All right. Okay. I could throw a camel clutch on my kids tonight without hurting them. So I know how to do it. Hmm. All right, baby, let's go. Cheeky baby, let's go. What's next? Anybody else we want to talk about? Let's wrap this thing up. I, I think we're pretty much done. Um, I, was, I mentioned to you off air, but this was the show, I believe, that made us take bets from fans. Because we had the Raiders last year in the, in the low 20s. Once again, they're at 21. And they were coming off a playoff year. So if you're a Giants fan, and you're arguing about the Giants in the 20s, this was the Raiders last year at this time. Look, we made the playoffs. We were, we, we were stopped on fourth down against the Super Bowl AFC champion Bengals in the playoffs. The Raiders are right there. We're going to be better this year. And they weren't. Because uh, the roster wasn't, wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. 
And so we ranked the, Ra- the Raiders at 21 or 22, and somebody wrote in and said, you know, I-, I think you're wrong about the Raiders. And we finally took some bets, and people wanted to say the Raiders are going to make the playoffs or this or that. And it didn't, but I think this was the, the impetus for that, that this, this show, the roster ranking show. So you might argue, like argue with our, uh, start getting your bets ready for the season. Yeah, argue well, start, with our rankings. you can start getting them in. Um, yeah. NFL podcast at pff.com. Just put bet in the subject line somewhere so that we can obviously identify them. But yeah, like open the season is open for for bets. If you think our take um, in terms of where we're projecting anybody going into the season is insane, then by all means throw a bet in our direction. And if we uh, if we disagree enough, we'll take the bet. Uh, someone in the chat asks what my walkout song was in baseball. And it was the Ultimate Warriors entrance team. Good team. Good yeah. team. It got me it got me fired up to pitch. Good team. Got me ready to go. The, only, the, the thing that was tough, though, right, I did not match his energy level getting to the mound. Right. I could not sprint to the mound. Did they have to just loop it? Or how did that? Because, like, he was out there in 20 seconds having, like, yeah, sprinted would, his way from the locker room. Yeah. We'd restart it. Yeah. You just got to loop it endlessly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did not run out like war. I would have been. I am not a great athlete, as you'll see yeah. soon. Um, I would have been out of breath. Yeah, so I was a smooth jog guy. And then as I got later in my career, I was a walk off the mic. When you're done with your inning, you walk in, you walk out. You've earned the right to walk. Uh, you're the only guy on the field that's allowed to walk off the field, the pitcher. So yeah. I, I took that, I took that uh, opportunity to walk in and out. From the bullpen, it was a jog. In and out from the mound was a walk. Never a full sprint. I could not handle that. That would have been bad. I would have been out of breath. Mechanics would have been way off. Would have gotten lit up way more than I did already. Hmm. But ultimate warrior theme. That was me. That's a good theme. Good theme. Good, in- yeah. good entrance music. Thank you. And a good finish to this show. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. You'll be back here again tomorrow. Be sure to hit that like button on your way out. But uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow with more PFF NFL podcast.